0: Hi, my name's Stuart Nadel and I've been podcasting about games for a number of years now. Recently I've moved from talking about games I've played and started interviewing the people who make them. In April 2020, Richard and Tony of Far Few Giants commenced work as part of a Games Accelerator program in Northern Ireland. With this project, they had the rare opportunity to make a game and share their own story without being bound by non-disclosure agreements that are commonly used within the industry. They asked if I would help them document their year, and I certainly wasn't going to turn the offer down. In this first episode, which was recorded about a month and a half into the program, they discussed their reasons behind wanting to document the year, but I start by asking Richard for more information about the accelerator program.
1: We started Platform, which is a games accelerator in Northern Ireland, Belfast. We are planning to make six prototypes, two larger games, and one final game. Over the period of 12 months um, I completely fucked this Tony you you usually much better explain <laughs> you
2: went you went straight into like oh we're recording mode and uh, now nah. <laughs> well yeah okay you got the basics. Uh, <laughs> the project is that we're um, we've been really fortunate to be funded by uh, Northern Ireland screen. And, uh, they have essentially given us 12 months of funding, uh, to pursue a game. Mm-hmm. So the structure that that, that that is in is like the first six weeks, we kind of mess around. Um, you make a game a week, just kind of very quick and dirty, putting stuff, to, putting ideas together. Then after that, there's a further 12 weeks where you take the two best of those prototypes and work them up into like a, a proper kind of alpha and more developed and with all the gameplay there. Mm-hmm. Or I guess maybe a vertical slice is more appropriate. And then for the remainder of the year, it's like six or seven months, uh, they have you choose the one best out of those two more developed ones and then work that up into a game that you actually release. Mm-hmm. but because they're a government agency, uh, they can't really dictate to us actually what we create. Um, so it's not like a normal publishing deal where mm-hmm. you get you know you you pitch a project um, and then they'll give you usually the minimum amount of money to just go and make that thing that you have pitched them. With us, it's it's like Richard said, an incubator more, mm-hmm. where they're trying to grow and uh, like, I guess, empower small companies to get to the next level. So we just we more or less get the funding regardless, as long as we keep delivering something. They they can't like uh, qualitatively mm-hmm. really judge what we're putting out. So yeah, we get to make <laughs> whatever we want uh, basically for twelve months and have <laughs> our salaries paid so I'm very fortunate
1: i see it as kind of like an artist in residence yeah yeah mm-hmm. so we're we've basically been funded to do the crazy shit that we do on a bigger scale because we're able to focus on it full time rather than balancing it with um contract work on the side yeah
2: like the last couple of years we've been trying to do this on our own with just like project based funding and trying to daisy chain those together and it's it's so difficult because you end up spending so much of your time doing stuff that is not making games. That it like just chasing the next bit of funds, and then you almost right. get the job actually done as quickly as possible, so that you still have time to chase the next amount. And it's 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 so uh, it's not a great situation for just being creative and being able to come up with something that's like innovative. And also, it's also just highly stressful, like living hand to mouth like that. So, what we're doing now is just a lot less stress mm-hmm. uh, and a lot more creative and fulfilling. Um, and, like, we're, we've immediately started producing much better work than we were beforehand.
0: How did the opportunity for the funding arise?
1: I'd say that kind of it kind of built out of our relationship with Northern Ireland's Green over the past couple of years. Yeah. So, I moved, I moved to Belfast two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And initially I pitched them a couple of projects. One was called Duck Build, and one was called Ring of Fire. They liked them both. We initially went ahead with Ring of Fire with the goal of getting it, building the prototype out and taking it to publishers.
2: So they, they gave us almost seized money just to get that prototype finished.
1: Yeah. There's a strong focus here on making a pilot or like a prototype um, sort of scale project and then pitching that to publishers but the the overwhelming response is that the amount of time and the amount of money you have to build a prototype is not enough to make a vertical slice that the publisher actually wants to fund but also some of the ideas coming out of that program aren't uh, necessarily commercial enough to be publishable so we're, we're trying to flip the model on its head mm-hmm. and we're trying to tackle it from us making a lot a lot of different prototypes that may not be very commercial and build up an audience so that when it comes to the end of the 12 months we have something published under our own under our own belts that people can look at and see that we're actually making good quality work Mm -hmm. that will have uh, hopefully some fans that we've built up along the way who'll be looking forward to the next thing Hmm. and generally just be a more viable, like, group to do business with.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it's
1: about perceptions.
2: Like, we've often come across this idea that video game publishers, when looking at indie teams, are looking for unbridled creativity. But it's so difficult to do unbridled creativity when you're thoroughly bridled. By the fact that you, uh, you you need money, so you have to pitch a certain thing to get a small amount of like seed investment that everybody knows isn't quite enough to actually get the job done and like uh, and, and, and then you're going like looking for contract work and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing and in indie publishing at the end of the day, you're competing with people who are able to put in years of work on their alpha. Or on their vertical slice, because they've got so much money saved up from a AAA job, or because they've uh, they're able to like live with their parents,
1: or like live off a partner, or working on it in the in the weekends and evenings. So. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: like a lot of the people who come out of nowhere and just get signed by a a big publisher, that is the situation. Like they they haven't had like maybe a regional finance thing like we've uh, had in the past, but they'll have had like several times the worth of that in reduced cost living and that kind of thing or money they've personally saved. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, if you're given 10K, which realistically amounts to about four months worth of freelancers work with costs like you know, an accountant and legal for looking at the paperwork with a publisher if you're lucky and you get one, all that kind of stuff. If you have, like, four man months, person months worth of work to get something that's going to compete with all all those other people who have got, like, years of living in their mom's house to work on this. Uh, I, I, I'm stereotyping a little bit, and there's loads of, like, super talented, super hardworking <laughs> people, but there, 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 there are people who are – um, somehow even more privileged than I am as a, <laughs> as a white man. <laughs> yeah.
1: I have to say, we got very, very lucky. We did. When I moved over to over to Belfast, I moved from a regional hub called Guildford, which is kind of the games industry hub outside of London, the biggest hub outside of London, I would say. Mm. There's a huge amount of AAA game studios there and a, a pretty thriving indie scene. There's plenty of work around freelance work and when i moved over here to look, move in with my partner we uh, were concerned that we would just like run out of freelance work because a lot of indie studios haven't really even though they allow for remote work they still want to work with the people who are in their local local scene and who they're friends with mm. which when you moved to when i moved to belfast i was a big fish in a small pond whereas before i was a small fish in a big pond uh, and people were looking to me for work, which was surprising, and, and but not totally unexpected. And so we needed to find another way to make our business work. Mm. And that was just a combination of me doing a bunch of contract work, Tony doing bits and pieces, and uh, us applying to as many regional funds as we could. And I'm so goddamn fortunate that Northern Ireland has probably what is the best localized uh, development funds in the UK on par or even better than a lot of funds in europe so i think we've we've been we've really benefited from that yeah i've been super lucky to be able to work
2: with an ice cream
0: so why did you decide to document this project
2: so i think it would be it's just something that is probably useful for other people to get like a window into what the process is actually like what the realities are behind being an independent developer and mm-hmm. the fact that it's <laughs> uh, it's a job, it's a living. Yeah, it is very difficult sometimes emotionally <laughs> uh, <laughs> to stay dedicated to. And I also think that uh, it will show quite how not dreamy the uh, the actual like reality can be in terms of funding <laughs> and like business and shite basically
1: like stress and stuff
2: yeah i i spend two two fifths of my time i think on shite on like just contracts and getting getting us paid and having meetings with publishers and meetings with other people that i may not entirely be convinced of the utility of let's say yeah <laughs> 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 that stuff but, but so that was a downer But, however, as problematic as certain aspects of um, the film may be, like when I was like 20 and weighing up whether to I would ever make it to do this kind of stuff, I, I remember watching Indie Game, the movie, and absolutely loving it I think I bought it on uh, iTunes or something the, the day that it came out and then later on I bought the like limited edition Blu-ray where there was only like, 80 of them made or something so I was like yes this is going to be me in the future I'm going to do something like that and, and the ideas in it weren't entirely healthy and it didn't reflect the business stuff or the how the fuck can you
1: afford to do this stuff yeah. <laughs> I still have no idea how uh, how a few of those games got made like Fez yeah well, it was. All, I think it was all
2: grand right, somehow. I mean, similar to what we've probably done. But I, I just think there's an ideal version of this where twelve, eighteen months down the line, whatever game we've made is somehow successful and we've done everything right, and this is the one. <laughs> and actually, being able to put out something that's kind of behind the scenes and shows the way it got made in an honest way that acknowledges where we've been incredibly lucky and doesn't make us look like we're just like hardworking geniuses, which we're definitely
1: not. Uh, Neither of those words apply. Uh, (laughs) uh,
2: I think that would be really valuable. I think a younger me would appreciate
1: it. Yeah. So I I listen to a hell of a lot of podcasts and uh, I listen to a podcast called Startup, which is very similar to what I'm hoping we'll be able to achieve, where they they follow um, literally a, a startup of a podcast company over a period of years until they eventually sell out to Spotify, which I don't think we'll do, but it, it was, it was an interesting <laughs> ride for sure. And, and we like watching video game documentaries, like no clip. we like, we liked uh double fight adventure. We liked seeing how the sausage gets made essentially. And we're in a very, very fortunate position where this year we're not working on anything that is massively NDA we have complete access to share everything we're working on and we want to share everything we're working on. And for me, like looking at my younger self, I absolutely inhaled every single like indie developer bio podcast. I could I could put my hands on just to try and learn any scrap of useful information that would serve me later in life. Mm. And I think some of the steps that we've taken, even though we've been massively fortunate with our funding and stuff are repeatable and like repli- replicatable on zero budget and we try to do as much as we can on zero budget uh when and where we can so i think i think that could be a bit of a template for like new developers to pick up on that and that are like a more modern approach that isn't antiquated by years and years of triple a experience
2: yeah i th- I think part of the the answer there that you touched upon is that I think we should do it because we can. Like there are almost, like you were saying, no opportunities like this, like what we're doing this year, that exist in this industry. So generally speaking, nobody can be quite as <laughs> shameless, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, quite as nobody can really expose themselves quite as much as I think that we can, because we've mm-hmm. got you know public money with very very few strings attached. Funding us for a year, so yeah, we can we can be completely honest and we can talk about absolutely everything we're doing in our days.
1: At least until the cease and to appear outdoors. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and just just by virtue of the fact that we can, we can do that and we've been given this opportunity, I feel like we should try and share the things we've learned from it.
1: Yeah, there's definitely not. It's not going to be all positive. We're not going to get it right all the time. But I think that's part of the fun. Yep.
2: We've already got it wrong <laughs> 95% of the time, and yet somehow we're still swinging.
0: <laughs> so that's it for episode one, and hopefully you can hear that this is going to be a really interesting story to follow. If you haven't already, please follow the show on anchor.fm. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email in the footsteps of giants at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Farfew Giants is at Farfew Giants. Richard is at Animtree. Tony is at Anthony underscore D underscore Fault. And music and sound for the episode was recorded by Richard Campbell, who can be followed on Twitter at Ziggity Bang. You can also follow me at Saintly Stewart. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.